Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Dawn of Dragons, Season 3, Episode 9, The Guardian. Fifty paces north from the grinning skull of stone? Benedict walked a shallow forest path just past the foothills of the Garnet Mountains. He was heading roughly north, it seemed, with the morning sun striking his right shoulder softly between the sparse leaves of the aspen trees. Three days ago, they had parted ways with Keldor and Elaviv. They agreed they would gather up the militia of revolutionaries for an assault at the front, along the long stone bridge. Benedict and the others would infiltrate the keep through an old smuggler's path, a path once used to sneak illegal or stolen goods into the keep Boric knew about. Benedict was now holding the old smuggler's map and feeling they were getting close. How's that old smuggler's map treating you? (sighs) Fine. Does it feel good? Like, righteous? (laughs) There's sometimes I wonder if I really did miss you, Zoran. (laughs) Well, for what it's worth, I missed you. (sighs) So those old maps are more like scrambled directions. What's next again? Uh, Something about a... Skull of Grinning Stone? I'll help you look. The two friends walked side by side up the path, leading them deeper into the gentle murmur of the forest. After an hour, Zoran's eyes widened. Hey, look at this. In here, where the path seems to branch. Oh, wow. Inside a short grove of trees was an alcove with a small pond rippling gently. The sound of a gentle cascading waterfall pouring into it from above. The forest floor here was covered in a thick carpet of lush, lemony-smelling moss, and the occasional scarlet berry was seen on rose hips along the bank. The path continued to the left along the wall to the waterfall itself. As Benedict stepped forward along the path, he ran a single gauntleted hand along the rock wall. He felt it round slightly. Oh, hey, look at that. Carved in the rock was the rounded forehead of an ancient grinning skull. Well, north of that is the waterfall. Let's check it out. The group continued along the path, and approaching the waterfall from its eastern side, now saw a five-foot gap 
in the cascading water to a cave hidden behind. Oof! Wow. Hey, watch that rock. Man, it's dark in here. I'll get the torches. Sounds good. I'll scout up ahead while you get ready. Scottmere came to a huge cavern. The stalactites hung 40 feet in the air, and this was easily a hundred yards across. The wet stones of a single stream of water lapped from one side to the other. The musty smell of stagnant water and something slightly rancid came to his nose. But nothing dangerous. All clear. Sounds good. So as I was saying, it really comes down to... Is it... Is it all Everyone froze as from behind a broken pillar came a man in scarlet armor. His head had sparse patches of wispy white hair that hung framing a rotten maw of a face. The jaw was bare, showing the lower teeth, and eyes black as cold burned with a hidden fire. I am Benedict Shieldheart, son of the... Two ten-foot forms charged into the light. Feated and bulbous bodies revealed cloudy, vacant eyes above rotten teeth. Ogres! Worse. Zombie ogres. Sophie met one colossal figure head-on as Scottmere charged to meet the other. Benedict slung his sword to the right as he ran towards the Red Guardian. Die, child! Raising the mace above its wide-eyed head, the Guardian shouted at its adversary. Its three blue bolts of energy slammed into its side from the outstretched arms of Cordelia. Benedict, now! Benedict gripped the sword, but at the last second dropped his shoulder into the Red Guardian's chest, sending him sprawling backwards. Sophie slashed at the belly of the huge ogre as it swung at the side of her head with the remains of an old tree stump. She ducked back swiftly, only to catch their falling foot into the chest, knocking her backwards, the wind lifting from her lungs swiftly. Scottmere hacked at his quarry relentlessly, ducking easily under the frantic swing of its arms. Erlen, seeing the opportunity, began sending flight after flight of swift arrows into its rancid body. Again, I have come to seek passage here. Benedict walked towards its foe, but was met with a bright blue-green light that flashed from the palm of his hand. Bendik took a step back, stumbling. The Red Guardian took the opportunity to cruelly assault his body with his rusted mace, crushing his left shoulder and what felt like the arm itself and his left leg. He slowed, his vision now blurry. He swung with his right hand into the red body before him. Norvana and Cordelia saw Benedict falling backwards, a pit forming in their stomachs. Lorvana, you can use healing? 
Well, I... Answer me! Yes. Then hold my hand. Cordelia imagined the space next to Benedict as she grabbed Lorvana's hand and said the words. Baga! In an instant, Lorvana saw her appear next to Benedict and a very scary individual. What? Who are you? Uh... Hi? Lorvana! Oh, yes. Lorvana touched Benedict's shoulder, radiating energy warming the pain out of his system, refreshing his spirit and clearing his eyes. Bye! Cordelia imagined the spot they had left about 40 feet away, and teleporting them back to safety, Sophie deftly danced around the slow-moving zombie ogre now, anger swelling in her heart after what she regarded as a clumsy mistake in the beginning. She struck deep into his chest as Zorin leaped from the darkness behind Zombie Ogre, driving two daggers into the base of his skull, dropping him to the ground. Erlin and Scottmere's foe was now falling in a heap as well. Benedict was driving the Red Guardian back with blow after blow, his sword driving downward in a steady swing less like a sword and more like a blacksmith's hammer. This! Is my home! Master. The Red Guardian faded into the misty cavern floor, leaving a gleaming two-handed greatsword pointed into the ground where he once stood. This is it. Benedict, give me a hand. The heavy trap door swung outward, revealing an afternoon sky heading towards dusk. The red-orange clouds here a welcome sight after the last few hours in the caverns below. The air was rich with pine and fresh mountain water. As they carefully emerged, they found their backs to a high stone wall 30 feet high made of deep gray hematite that had ribbons of deep red-orange jasper. Before them was a massive mountain lake. The crystal-clear waters cut the sunlight to illuminate the numerous fish darting between the stones. And as the water darkened with its depth further out, those fish broke the surface, feeding on the flies at dusk. At the other side of the lake was a 60-foot cascade of water, tumbling from another set of these hanging lakes higher into the mountain range. Hmm, bet that's a trout right there. Little butter, maybe some wild garlic. Scott me. Shh. Zoran brought a single finger up to his lips, looking back at the group. They all nodded in understanding as he pointed to the faint shadow moving above along the top of the outer wall of Garnet Keep. They made their way along the wall to a staircase, lifting ten feet to an opening in the wall. Zorin slowly ascended, carefully. He peered around the corner and discovered this was the elevated skirt of what was to be the ground floor of the keep's courtyard. Hold up. It's a sentry. The short guard walked around the corner as it took its path through the corridor, leading around the mead hall. The sounds of merriment echoed from the hall as what sounded like the gruff voices of orcs cheered at some game inside. 
Stale beer and filth permeated the air now. Once gleaming stones had fallen into disrepair, and the banners that had hung were replaced by skulls of beasts on spikes, bound in leather and crowned in jagged rusty iron, to seem more nightmarish. He peered around the corner and motioned for everyone to follow, quietly. One by one, they darted down the empty corridor to an opening on the left. Peering his head back around the corner, he motioned for Benedict. Benedict walked as quietly as the heavy plate mail would allow him, though he was thankful he refused to wear the steel sabatons from the knighthood. The heavy armor that covered his boots lended some control in this gritty cobblestone, at least. He was safe. Zoran looked again. He motioned for Dabria. She creeped out and walked along the wall as the others prior. Mistress? Dabria instantly froze as she recognized the voice. Without turning, she spoke. Sharptooth. Why? Why are you here? Dabria's mind raced. This could jeopardize everything. Then a spark crossed her mind. A spark of realization. She turned and drew herself up into her former glory. Sharptooth responded with her eyes that it was working. I was going to ask you the same. Aren't you supposed to be with the army? Or did you? No, I, I, I mean we. Oh no, Mistress Debria. I am so sorry. It worked better than she had hoped. Sharptooth had deserted. She was in just as much risk as she was. Dabria thought deeply on this. Sharptooth had always been trustworthy to her, but shouldn't know everything. Sharptooth, you need to leave here immediately and go home. Go back to Enrook. Of... of course. But... Dabria knew they would torture Sharptooth. Deserters were always used as examples to the rest of the troops. She would be no exception, regardless of the years of service or the countless skirmishes the kobold had survived with her shield brothers and sisters. Fire coursed through Dabria's heart at the thought of that cruelty. Death is one thing. Death was no stranger to Dabria, and she welcomed it. But she couldn't allow this. But take those that you trust only, and don't go back to the army. Promise me. I... I promise. We won't. Thank you. Dabria held up a hand. She disliked being thanked. It felt like there was something owed then. Sharptooth scampered off to the dark corridor allowing the rest of the party to all catch up before continuing. Mm. What a day! They crept up the stairs to the landing of the long wall surrounding the keep. To the left was a ballista perched towards the long stone bridge leading to the keep. To the right, Zoran saw the orc sentry 40 feet away, looking mindlessly over the side to the lake below. He turned to Erlen. Okay, I'll take him out, but cover me just in case. 
Erlen shrugged and drew his bow calmly. Zorin drew the two daggers from his belt and swiftly closed the distance. Thirty, twenty, ten, and... Whoa! Jeez! Ow! The first arrows sunk into the orc, silencing him before he had a chance to alarm anyone. The last one, though, sunk through the padded shoulder of Zorn's faded purple tunic. He spun around and felt the arrow pointed end above his shoulder, missing his body by only a hair, he imagined, as he could easily feel the shaft against his skin. Looking back, he saw Erlen simply shrug, nonchalantly, and shoulder his bow. What the... Benedict stared at Erlen's remorseless action with a blend of wonder and disgust for a moment before turning to Dabria. Dabria, Una, Lorvana, and Skotnir. The four of you make your way to the ballista at the northern wall. They are over the gatehouse. Got it. When you hear any, and I mean any, action from the south keep where the rest of us are going, that is when you set them alight and fire them to the northeast as high as you can elevate them. As high as we can. Birds aflame of death's wings close behind. Seriously, Una? Please. This will signal the militia for their assault. Then free the gatehouse to make way for them. They nodded in affirmation before turning to dart back down the wall towards the north entrance. Scottmere's heart froze upon reaching the first mounted ballista. Looking over the side revealed they were thousands of feet above the river below. The waters of the lake spilling from either side, feeding it and narrowing the only entrance into the keep to the 200-yard stone bridge. This bridge connected the keep to the mountain villages in Glen Valley downhill. The keep was a one-way stop, designed to protect and harbor the local people in times of need. And he stood proud. Now that is the work of force. The wall to the south led into the worn and broken stairway within the main keep. Over years, walls had been broken down. The smell of animals, pens, and dirt filled these once great halls. They entered the great meeting hall. One room where the broken doors sat to their right as they entered that dim torchlight. Erlen became curious, wandering towards it, ignoring the three figures at the other end of the room. What is... whatever. Let's see what they're up to. Oh, but it's true, it's true. No message comes from my king in the dark army. Now is the time for us to join. They grow stronger every day, it seems. We can join with more orcs and have more than just this castle. Ha! Is it not good here, Karen? Do you not love the wine and celebration and the raiding? <laughs> Why do we need more than this? Two orcs argued standing with their backs to the adventurers, blocking the view of an obvious third. Karag, on the left, wore ceremonial furs and was topped with a crudely forged iron crown. His moss-colored face 
was painted in a jagged mask that outlined his eyes and tusk-filled mouth. A brutal axe swung in a single meaty hand. He was the head of the serpent, Benedict was sure. But the other seemed as much, if not more, of a threat. For one, he seemed even larger, dressed in a ragged, dark green cloak. He clutched a staff covered with beads, feathers, and a few human and dwarf skulls. They both appeared cruel, remorseless, and Benedict could feel the evil emanating from them. We need to leave this place. It is time, Spills. You know there's nothing here to keep us. She knows that. I mean, look at her. Ah! She says nothing because she knows we need to stay here. She says we stay. Look. Meanwhile, Erlen made his way into the small room and looked around. It reeked of dirt and unnameable smells. The odor of ammonia and hay was powerful to his untrained nose. In the corner of the stone room was a pile of hay that had a single dirty fur laying across it. An elk, he imagined. Next to it was a wooden basket with long legs. The paint had peeled from heat in blackened spots, and there were several soft gray and white rabbit furs draped at the side of it. Bezik, Sophie, and Zorin moved in perfect synchronization with their explosive attack. Zorin let loose arrow after arrow into the two hulking bodies as Benedict drove his greatsword downward into his foe's shoulder. His hands illuminated, and he felt energy pour through him and into the Orc King, Karen. From between the two orcs, a crescent-shaped blade on a long pole struck out barely missing Benedict's thigh as he squirmed out of the way. As they fell to either side, an agile and athletic form leaped in an arc over them, flipping and twisting in the air to land behind Benedict. <coughs> Benedict was stunned. The creature was slightly taller than him and smaller than the orcs. Their muscles were tight and sinewy beneath a patchwork of neglected armor. Armor loosely covering green moss and mud. The cream-colored war paint outlined crazed eyes. Gray, vacant eyes. They lunged with their wicked polearm again in a flurry of strikes. Moving like being carried on a gale-force wind itself tearing into his armor when it slipped by his guard. Finally, he locked them in the hold, barring their weapons from attacking. Hello? What are you? Erlen neared the basket and saw there was a small form under the furs, no bigger than a cabbage or a melon. Drawing back the furs, he saw the tattered and stained muslin wrappings lovingly wound around the still form of the doll topped with a crude apple carved into the face of a baby. 
Hearing the shrieks outside, he drew his bow and entered the fray. Deceiver! Bendik saw her grave, vacant, crazed eyes lock on the sword. The facade began to melt from her, as she saw the moss and mud were just that. Her once blonde hair matted into muddy locks. Her jaw was trembling now, not from strain, but from the sight of that sword. Why do you carry that sword? I know that sword! Her eyes began to clear. A long-forgotten haze cast over them drifted as the one known as Spilge took a blade across the throat from Sophie. The fire illuminating his fingertips, fading as he slumped to the floor. Her eyes drew in color from the sky itself, sky blue. He drew in a breath, shocked, and couldn't help himself speak aloud. Zane? Her eyes widened. She screamed, throwing her weight against him, pushing him dangerously backward. She was in control now. First you carry my husband's sword, and now you dare speak the name of my dead son. Who are you? I am Benedict Shieldheart, son of Lucilius. At the sound of his father's name, the blade glowed orange with power illuminating runes up the blade spilling out. Kettlebane. She spun the stand back to back with the source of twenty years worth of her hopes and dreams. They struck down with swift blows, the glaive in her hand igniting with blue power as Benedict drove his father's blade into the fell king. They looked at each other and smiled before falling into each other's arms in a firm embrace. Ilona pulled away quickly when she heard the noise from outside. Outside the building, the distant shouts of the liberating force were drawing closer. (laughs) My... My son. Ah, and are those sounds more friends of yours? Keldor. And (laughs) Elevi. Oh, oh, sweet maiden's grace, of course. Let's not keep them waiting. Ilona and Benedict charged out of the room to meet the retreating horde by the great tree. The tree she had cared for so many years ago. Erlen and Zorn ran up the stairs where they could use their bows more effectively. And Sophie followed, until a familiar voice stopped her. Sophie, wait. Can you look in there, please? Sophie stepped into the room Erlen had been in and saw the crib. Memory flooded. Save Benedict from the fire. A long-ago fire. And as she approached it, could feel the heat on his arms all over again. Instinctively, she wiped her forearms of the phantoms that invisibly licked them. She saw the doll resting in its swaddled blanket, but was driven to look past it at the letters in the blackened headboard, still faintly making out a single name. Benedict. Hush now, don't you cry, little love, oh, hey. 
Benedict Shieldhart, played by Brian Dowling. Cordelia Shieldhart is played by Jolene Vreskis. Dabria is played by Jeannie Rose. Erilyn, voiced by Jordan Thompson. Ilona the Fair is played by Leslie Beckman. Carrick is played by Matthew Bianchi. Spilge is played by Robert Lighthall. Lorvana Birdsong is voiced by Cara Danvers. Ryan Vandekamp from Brave Adventures. Sharp Tooth is played by Haley Munoz. Scott Mirflintgrog is played by Colton Jansen. Sophie is played by Sarah Jenkins. Una is played by Becky Ashley. Zorin, played by Cody Miller. And I'm Mike Ashley, your narrator and the voice of Keldor. Thanks to our patrons, Haley Munoz, Daniel Nichols, Jolene Fresquez, Ryan Dowling, Colin Holmes, and Corey Fouch. You too can support the show by joining our Patreon, following us on social media, or telling a friend. Join us next time for the season finale, Ilona the Fair, Keldor, and Elaviv are reunited. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>